Before we start this episode, a word of warning. We will be talking about scarification and other extreme kinks. Please listen to the professionals, seek advice and take all safety measures if this is something you want to try at home. Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks a safe word is what you need to get into your email. Welcome back to Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be looking at the signs you need to give your ex a second chance, talking to Paula Drymody about extreme fetishes, and I'll be reading your fabulous missives about the times you pushed your own sexual limits. Oh, <laughs> speaking of which... An extra word of warning that we are going to be talking about scarification and loads of other extreme kinks. So if you are interested in participating yourself, please listen to the professionals and seek some advice before you do. And no, no, I do not count as a professional. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review or at least subscribe wherever you get your finest of podcasts. And I hope you're ready because I'm about to call you and hang up and casually pretend that it was all a drunken pocket dial all along. Hello, 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 dear listener. Okay, quick question. Would you give your ex a second chance? Oh, come on. We've seen it all happen recently, haven't we? Ben Affleck and J-Lo, Maya Jammer and Stormzy. But obviously, it's not for everyone. Personally, I think we really do need to get over Jen and Brad. Like, come on. But for our rekindled couples, many were very vocal about what they missed about the relationships. So what can us mere mortals look out for when it comes to signs that we should rekindle an old flame? Courtney Boyer, a relationship and sexuality expert, told Metro some key signs to look out for. So she says the five things you need to consider is, number one, have you both done some healings? Hmm? Have you got some tools? Are you coming back to the relationship? with a a new attitude or is it all still the same as it was the first time round? because if nothing's changed then nothing will change number two have you forgiven each other and your own past are you ready to move on or are you just ross and rachel forever saying we were on a break rather than just moving forwards number three now you know what you want So make sure that you carry that into your relationship. What is your goal for having this person in your life? Is it to start a family? Is it to meet specific needs? Be very clear on what you're wanting and make sure the other person is too. Number four, 
Have you established deal breakers? Have you identified why the relationship originally ended? What caused its demise? Be really honest with each other about why your relationship failed and how it can be prevented going forward. And finally, realise the outcome. Anytime we want something to work, we tend to fight for control and make choices out of fear instead of love. When we trust the process, believe that when we show up as our healthy self and that everything is working for us then it does and that ladies gentlemen boys and girls gays and theys is when love wins ah there is so much great advice in this article Uh, so you should go and look out for five signs it's absolutely worth giving an old flame another chance over at metro.co.uk but obviously not before you've listened to my fabulous chat with this week's guest Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, I know you love it when we dive into the extremes of kinks and fetishes. So I've invited someone on to chat about how far we can push those boundaries and when it's safe to do so. They're a professional dominatrix who specialises in kidnapping from their very own underground dungeon. It's Paula Dreydemy. Hello, Paula. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me in the show. I am so happy to have you on. We've got a lot of people who have come on and talked about different kinks and fetishes uh, and different sex workers, different dominatrixes, but we haven't had anyone come on and talk about kidnapping. (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, kidnapping, I do it, yeah. It's something that I do pretty often and that I specialize grandly with. But um, honestly, my my specialty is um, really education. So kidnapping helps with this, with the re-education of the people that I'm sessioning with, that I'm playing with, yeah. So your thing is to kidnap someone and re-educate them on a lot of topics around social justice and different things like that. Now, these are things where I wonder to myself, is there much money on it? Because I have tried re-educating people on Twitter. And let me tell you, they are not into it. Yeah, there's no money. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, in my case, yes. I mean, I'm. it's like, it's a trap. It's obviously a trap. They come because they think I'm sexy and powerful. And I use that to make the world a better place. (laughs) So they're not aware that you're about to kid... Well, they're aware that you're going to kidnap them, but they're not aware that you're going to sit them down and re-educate them in LGBTQ matters, social justice, uh, environment issues. How do they take it when when you're educating them? I mean, uh, there's some of them that have been like very disappointed, uh, but some (laughs) of them have fallen in love. I think that they they come in with this idea of uh, having a a woman dominating them. And and so the idea of women dominating the world is actually pretty attractive to this type of people that I session with. Mm. Uh, So it's not entirely shocking. It's just that sometimes people will... I don't know, they want to be asphyxiated with my ass. And I'm like, no, you're going to read this book. <laughs> you're going to read one Feminism 101 right in front of me. Yeah, I, I don't really do feminism because I'm queer. I think that I've surpassed the idea of feminism. I don't want to be giving them like feminist, like classic 
I am a dominatrix. I am not searching for equality. <laughs> I'm searching for fucking destruction, fear, <laughs> pain, and control. So uh, I think that I found like my part of literature and philosophy and essays, uh, political essays are not necessarily feminist. So what kind of things are you giving them to read? Well, my favorite, it's a classic. It's a, it's a very like slow uh, book. Uh, it's called Masochism on Cru- Cruelness and Cruelty, Coldness and Cruelty. Uh, it's a book by Deleuze uh, where he presents three scenarios of three different relationships in which there's a woman dominating them. There's a phrase that I really love about this, that it's a... Uh, and God punished punished him, uh, leaving him to the hands of a woman. And it's like, well, welcome, welcome, yeah. So it's it's more uh, female uh, domination uh, area rather than social justice. Well, female. Uh, th- then again, I'm queer. No, mm. it's not a female. It's a uh, not male. It's basically yeah. not a male. It's like, oh, you're a cis white male? Well, then shut the fuck up. <laughs> you're going to learn a couple things. And you're going to keep your head down while you learn these things. And after, it's not about femininity. I, I try to make them see me as a queer person. Also, like, I insist on this. Like, I try not to make them see me as a woman. Uh, even though, then again, there's a trap. Because they do think that I'm a woman and they do want to be dominated by a woman. What I want is to destroy them, to destroy this idea of a sexy woman that it's dressed in leather and it's going to dominate them. I want them to know that because of who they are and all the privilege they have, they should rethink the way of life. Do they know that's what they're signing up for? No, but but it's not... But it's not because I don't tell them. Okay. I try to tell them. It's just that, you know, like, why men? What, like, they, they, they just listen to themselves and their desires. They've got this idea in their head of what they want. They see the words dominatrix or domination or BDSM, and they've just got this idea in their head. And what you do is say, I, I am, you know, I am that and what I'm going to do is I'm going to re-educate you, but they just they just miss that part. <laughs> they just conveniently skip over it. I mean, I don't think that they can imagine how committed I am to this idea. <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you, you are 300 million thousand times percent committed, like as in... <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need to get paid. You are just there for the re-education. Um, well, you know, it's, it's kind of what I do, like all the time. So, uh, yeah, sometimes I get paid. Sometimes I'm just fighting with someone that I don't know in the subway, you know, (laughs) sometimes, but I am doing this all the time, like constantly. It's very tiresome. Luckily, I have a lot of energy. So it's like, yeah. When did this start for you? How did you decide to go, right, well, I'm arguing with people in the subway as you put it, or as I put it, I'm arguing with tossers on Twitter. How did you decide to go, right, I'm going to put this into, I'm going to become a dominatrix. Was it, were you a dominatrix first or, and then bring the, in the re-education or did it come in naturally together? 
Well, it's all like very mixed up because I think, okay, I, I started being a dominatrix, uh, not a professional one, just like a natural born dominatrix the day I was born, I think. Like my first memories of being a dominatrix or having someone that I will call my slave and give them orders or being sadistic with them and everything. It started, like my first memories are when I was seven, seven years old. And maybe I don't remember anything younger just because I don't remember, not because I didn't do it before. So it's all like very mixed up. I don't think that there was a moment in which I said, oh, yeah, that's that's it. But um, there was a moment where I started being a professional dominatrix, where it's actually like not very related to uh, fetish, but it's a nice story. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I had a relationship with someone that I... I was I was very much in love with someone. I had a relationship with someone that I'm pretty much in love with still. But at the moment when that relationship ended, I was like, nah, nah, you're not going to break my heart. That is just not going to happen. So uh, I started like doing a lot of things to avoid being heartbroken. And one of the things that I did was getting married to someone, to another person, uh, after a month of meeting him as you do yeah so yeah um that was very very much fun and I love him dearly I love him dearly still I'm not in love with him like I'm in love with the other world but like I'm still like I love you I love you this is the red-blooded Argentinian in you where you're still in love with someone after seven years of them not talking to you and shame on them by the way And so, like, the separation was so public uh, because he had, like, a kind of, like, a well-known group, uh, and I was kind of, like, popular in the night team. So it was, like, very public, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. You know what? I'm going to leave you Buenos Aires to you. You do what you want to do with this city. I am going to New York. I've often said I'll leave Buenos Aires to you. Yeah, that's (laughs) just how I leave him. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, you can keep it. No, I love Buenos Aires. But... So I went to New York, and in New York, I started being a sex worker. I always had like uh, a curiosity about this. I've always been a very sexual person, and I was like, why not? You know, why not exploit this? Like, I'm giving it for free. And I can assure you, these people that I'm giving it to, they do not deserve it. They yeah. do not deserve all of this. So why not make a little money out of it? Yes. So I started like being a sex worker and uh, I realized that uh, this idea of these people do not deserve it uh, was very present. I was not really capable of creating some intimacy or being nice, like just being nice. It was very hard for me. Mm. And I had this type of conversations with that person that I started seeing that was also a sex worker. And they told me, you should be a dominatrix. You are a dominatrix. And so I ended up like doing an interview in a in a dungeon in Brooklyn uh, that I killed immediately, and I was uh, a part of the group like immediately. And then I started like doing workshops. So I had like uh, a lot of formal education in BDSM and fetishism. And while I was there, I was getting a foot massage, and this slave asked me, "How did you start being a dominatrix?" And then I remember. I was a dominatrix when I was a kid. 
I had a slave when I was in the first grade. So it's very like, oh, it's all mixed up. I, I don't know. Like, I think it was always there. I think my, my way of uh, do, being a militant, because I, I, I am, was always related to certain domination. My, my presence. When I wait, when I enter a room, it's not always like that. Obviously, my my mood changes, but my presence is very like hello, authoritarian. And I think when it comes to being a dominatrix, you need a presence. It's it's just a thing that that you are. You need that presence. You need to fill a room, and you need to take control immediately. That's that's all part of it. But what about when it comes to the more extreme fetishes? So you do things like kidnapping, uh, sadomasochism. So when it comes to that, where do you start with the safety? Because I think we'd have a lot of listeners who would love to try something a bit more extreme. But how do you start when it comes to the safety aspects of those things? As a full disclosure, I wouldn't call them the most hardcore, the most extreme. I think I do things that are more hardcore than this, like like. Yeah, well, tell us more about what what kind of things is is more hardcore for you. Do you really want to know? Yes. Oh, sorry, I've just heard every smart drop listener just say <laughs> yes. Um. Well, um, I'm something uh, known as scat queen. Oh, scat queen. So people eat my shit. Like I make people <laughs> eat my shit. Uh, that is one of my favorite things to do. It's very like straight to the point. It's very, politically yeah. for me, it's perfect. Uh, poetically, it's perfect. I cannot think of anything more ethical and more extreme in certain ways than, you know, shit. Uh, it's like, okay, capitalism, I'm going to give you my shit. This is how I'm going to make money. I'm going to give you my shit and you're going to eat it. <laughs> So I think that is more extreme than kidnapping. Kidnapping uh, sometimes is very related to SCAD, obviously, and so to some other uh, very extreme um, practices like needles, knives, scarifications. Uh, I've uh, marked people with uh, hot irons. I've tattooed people. Um, wow. So kidnapping, uh, it's uh, it's not that bad. You know? <laughs> kidnapping now seems like it's one of those means to an end. So it's it's you you know you can take someone off the street or lure them into your lair, and then you can and then you you do things like uh, the scats, uh, the scarification you yeah. said, and tattooing. So is this stuff that they've asked for and then or is it more like part of the re-education how does it work what do you where do you start where do you even start like advertising for this so basically uh there's like an entire process to get to this point obviously Mm. uh we have a deep conversation like calmly i i do not accept people getting to my dungeon or talking to me in a excited way like if we talk this needs to be serious and cold so I know that you really want what you're asking and that you are aware of what you're asking yeah by the way to help with this like sometimes sessions to start with someone uh forcing them someone to uh, have an orgasm so they the factor of excitation it's out of the context 
uh, you're not excited, you're not doing this because you're excited, you're doing this because it excites you like psychologically, mentally. Um, so we have like a very cold conversation about limits and interests. And so I take that into account when I decide what I want to do. Mm. I personally, I'm a very perverse person. Maybe you've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nice and I'm, I'm nice. I'm funny. I'm a funny, funny person, but yeah. uh, I'm very perverse too. So uh, when we say limits, um, I will not cross the line of a limit, obviously, Uh, consent is the golden rule for all these activities mm. but I will come close to it mm. because I feel that uh, that helps with this re-education you come with a closed no and I'm gonna do my best to take you to a point where you're like, okay, please, let's do this. Let's do it. Right, yeah. Deliver yourself to me and my desires and my vision of you. Let me let me be in some certain way your mirror. Let me let me show you the image of what you could be and what you are now. So yeah. Fucking hell, Paulie, you're getting me going. But obviously we have to just look at the safety aspects of stuff like scat and scarification so what do you give them any kind of safety is there like some kind of safety briefing or is there uh any kind of like because scarification and, and tattoos that's that's that is really hardcore yeah um so how do you go about making sure things are hygienic Is there anything that, you know, that you would say to people, what would be your tips if people wanted to try this? What would be how they could start making sure that everyone walks away safely? Uh, I've been tattooing for some years now. Uh, and I am like heavily tattooed. Uh, so I, I know how to do that in a safe way. In any, in any case, like you treat these, uh, these scars, these tattoos, uh, just as you will treat any other one. The hygiene part of shit, how do we talk about that? Uh, I don't know. Like, um, I personally um, <laughs> have my own way to deal with shit, um, which is always, like, very um, clean, I do not accept sessions where um, people want to like cover themselves and shit. And I usually, it's like a dish, a knife, a fork, or a spoon. And then we have a conversation like two civilized people. <laughs> Kinda. <of. laughs> can we? Wow. So tell us about where you find you support yourself. So you're on a platform yeah. called Kaufmich. This is a platform for sex workers. Is it by sex workers for sex workers? What's what is how do you this is where you advertise and you tell people about yourself? Yeah, okay. Uh, this is actually like a very interesting conversation. It's uh, so um Kaufmich, uh, which means by me. Kauf, it's by me, me. Uh, Kaufmech is a platform um, in Germany. Germany is a country where sex work is legal and controlled. Uh, and so this platform, I actually do not know if it's created by sex workers, but it, it, I can tell you it does feel like it. 
because uh, it makes our work so much easier. Mm. Um, so all these conversations about safety that we have had, we can actually have them in this platform before, especially. It's like you have a very clear, short, but sweet uh, profile that people read and they come to you and you have like a chat. So you talk with people there. Uh, yes, I am there, but because I am living in France, uh, what I'm doing with Kalfnik is mo mostly virtual, which actually like works really, really well. But um, in France, uh, it's an abolitionist country. Uh, therefore, um, it is legal for someone to be a sex worker. You can have a union, you pay your taxes as, your, as a sex worker, but clients are criminalized. Mm. So it's seen as if sex workers were victims and clients and everyone that uh, supports this are criminalized. Mm. Therefore, if you buy a beer with the money that you made in sex work, the person that it's selling you this beer it can be they can be considered as um, a pimp mm. because they're literally making money out of a sex worker the person that rents you a place is your pimp because they're literally making making money out of a sex work if you get married your partner can be considered a pimp yeah because they're in a relationship with a sex worker but Kaufmer is based on this model that um it's uh, the, the state control of sex work. So it's great. Yes, I am in this platform and I uh, uh, I love it. I love it. I recommend it. Like, so I know that this sounds like, oh, this is sponsorship. No. Uh, yes, it is. Like, I am coming here as ambassador of uh, Kaufmer, but I'm actually like in love with this site. <laughs> <laughs> I love this site. It has helped me so much, so much. Yeah. And what about if people, because at the moment we've got so many things going on, there's cost of living crisis, we've got a lot of people who would be interested, I think, in becoming a sex worker. Uh, just to give a final thought, what is your top tip for someone who would be interested? Maybe they're, they're at the extreme end of kinkiness. What would be your top tip for someone to remember if they want to go on and be, start becoming a dominatrix themselves? Build a community, talk to people around you. That is very, very, very important to know why, who you are. I think that we all have an idea, like a very cliche idea of what domination is. You can be mean and hit people and scream. And that will not work for a long time if it's not you. It's very, very important to try to use all the fetishes and all the creative ideas that one has in their head to find their own way to navigate this world. Anything else, nothing is one thing or the other. We're all, all, everything. We're all, everything. Uh, try to build a community that would teach you the language so you can express yourself through this. And every work is exploitation. So if anybody here is listening and they're saying, oh, she's promoting sex work now that there's like an economical crisis, I will say, well, yes, because every work is exploitation. And this pays better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is a great word to leave yeah. on. If people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Search for me on, on Instagram. I'm super cursy. That means kitschy, super cursy. So you can like see it. I, I guess there will be a description or a link somewhere. Uh, go to my Instagram account. Make me make me a, a famous person. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'll get right on that. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I have once again delved into the fun bags and I asked you for your tales of extreme fetishes. Uh, now, Colin, <laughs> it's always a Colin. <laughs> Colin on Instagram says, if this is a safe space, which is, <laughs> who am I going to tell? Uh, tell me everything, Colin. He says, I have an extreme fantasy of being eaten bit by bit. Oh, obviously, I'd never actually want to do it. But I do like to think about being the centrepiece at a party. <gasps> oh. Yeah, like one of those sushi ladies, but you're the sushi. Uh, Anonymous on Twitter says, I'm into feeders. I'd love to have someone put a funnel into my mouth and pour cream into me. Oh, feed me like one of your French geese. <laughs> like frogois. Uh, absolutely, you go for it. Uh, Lauren on Instagram, she's just said, the Wrexham football team, including Ryan Reynolds and the other one. Does that count? <laughs> the Wrexham football team and Ryan Reynolds. That is absolutely allowable. Yeah, definitely. Next week, I'm going to be chatting bordellos and brothels with the owner of one of Nevada's oldest ranches. I want to know your brothel stories. Did you go on a dare? Or maybe it's your home away from home. Tell me if you have quite literally become part of the furniture. You can tell me all over on Instagram. I'm that Miranda Kane. You can slide into my DMs, watch out for my stories, or I'm on Twitter as Miri Kane, or you can all always email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smutdrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. If you are enjoying this weekly scratched into the sensuals, please leave me a nice review. And in the meantime, I will be back to prick up your ears next week. And remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do, but if you do, then name it after me.